Okay, if you could just give us a level check, that would be great. Matthew Hamilton, curling extraordinaire. As the super shy guy that I am, that was really hard, but I really oh, feel yeah. like I'm coming out of myself. You're horrible at interviews, yeah. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth Beisel, two-time Olympic medalist, and I am jumping the press rope to take you inside the Athletes' Villages, some of the most interesting and exclusive places at the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympic Games. We'll talk to athletes whose performances are pushing the medal count on snow and ice, discussing pretty much anything and everything but actually winning medals because we want to go behind the scenes and even Olympic heroes have to eat. Unfiltered conversations from the ground about the daily experiences that make up the real athlete experience of the games. You know, like life and being in the village because it isn't all nail-biting pressure and medal ceremonies all the time. Can you hear us in the headphones okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll get started in three, two, one. Matt? Matthew? Can I call you Matt? Yeah, yeah, both are good. Right, nickname basis now, though. This is very chill podcast life. Thank you so much for joining us on In the Village and giving us your time. We know that you have a lot of things on your plate right now, so we appreciate that. You are a whole vibe from (laughs) your shoes to your mustache to your hair. I want to talk all of those things, starting with the shoes. And I want to know what the process was going into picking that pair of shoes for these games. (laughs) Well, I I met some buddies this year at a golf tournament, actually. And they were like, hey, we're into like... The secondary shoe market, <clears throat> we noticed that you have custom shoes all the time. Like, can we help you find something awesome? <clears throat> I said, yeah, that sounds perfect. I want something that really matches my personality. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> well, sure enough, they get back to me and they're like, check these out. And they're called What the P-Rods uh, Skateboard Dunks. And I was like, oh my gosh, those are as random as I am. Like, those have to be my curling shoes. So they sent them to me, and then I've got a guy in Minnesota who customizes them. He actually just puts Velcro on the bottom for me. And then on the right shoe, which is the one that trails behind me when I slide, I have, like, this hard plastic toe cap. And I don't know if he knew, like, the value or the rarity of those shoes, but he tried something he's never done before, which is a two-different-color toe cap. And he's like, hey, they turned out great. I'm like, have you ever done that before? He's like, no. I'm like, you have no idea the price of those shoes or like the timeline. You have no time to like redo it or me to get a new pair of shoes to do it. So he knocked it out of the park, fortunately. But (laughs) I was like blown away when he's like, yeah, that was my first time trying it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he absolutely crushed that. Thank goodness, right? Like those are your shoes here at the Olympic Games. Um, I now want to ask you about the mustache and the hair because as aesthetically pleasing as they are, (laughs) there's a really awesome reason behind that. And I would love to give you an opportunity to talk about that and, you know, use your voice for that platform. Yeah. So first of all, my dad growing up was like, time for a haircut. Never got to grow my hair out. And I finally, I was like 30 years old and I'm like, I'm a married man. I'm a man, gosh darn it. <laughs> Dad, you can't tell me what to do anymore. So I decided I wanted to like grow it out just because I always wanted to. It was something I wanted to do. Um, and after the last Olympics, this charity, Staff Strong, which is a uh, brain cancer research foundation, they 
reached out. They're like, hey, man, you've got the mustache. You've clearly got a vibe and a knack for being personable. So how would you like to help us raise some money and be a part of this like movement of trying to like end brain cancer, which I was like, obviously cancer sucks. <laughs> Why wouldn't I want to be a part of that? So um, we decided actually last year, I was thinking about cutting it and donating it. And he's like, you know what? I think if you can grit it out for another year with the long hair. And for me, it wasn't even a task. I was like, yeah, I'm sold already. He thought that the, uh, the Olympic buzz behind the hair might really help generate a little bit of a love for the, uh, the cause, so to speak. And sure enough, it's just blown up. Um, we, I had like a $2,000 goal before the game, or I was at $2,000 with my goal of 5000 before the game against Canada. And all the U.S. curling clubs basically went on this like meet, social media tear where they all posted let's help Matt reach his goal. So when I got off the ice against Canada, which unfortunately was a loss and I was feeling a little down, I went online and saw that I was at like, I raised like $3,500 in a three hour span while I was playing. So I got well over my goal. <clears throat> so that was incredible. Like I was just blown away. So humbled by the idea that all these people saw what was going on, saw the hair, heard the story and were like, yeah, that's something that's, a worthy cause, whether it's this guy's a freaking clown and I love him, or it's like cancer's affected everybody and it's a good cause. Like whatever the reason, great. Um, but yeah, it was just, it's very humbling to be a part of something like that. And I have this platform that I get every like four years. If I go to the Olympics to uh, do something great. And, you know, I just, I felt like it doesn't always have to be about the athlete. Let's, you can make, you can make it better for, other people if I can make the world a better place because I got to do my favorite thing in the world and curl with my buddies like that's a win-win and it just kind of seemed like a no-brainer you're a rock star um what is the new goal and how can people donate well we jumped it up to 10 grand now and I mean and again blown away by it and everybody's support for it but you can go to my Instagram uh hamscurl or I believe also on my Twitter at Matt Jamilton. And you can, uh, you can find a link in my bio to Stash Strong slash Hamilton and donate there. And again, like, well, if you're just going to follow along and promote it, great. <clears throat> or if you want to like be a part of something uh, bigger and donate, that'd be awesome too. I also made some merch that says Stash Strong on it. And it's called my signature series where I got like my autograph on the shirts and 25% of the uh, cost of those items will also go towards that. So if you want to have a little bit of merch to go along with it, <clears throat> that would be another route that you could donate and still, you know, kind of get something tangible from it. Yeah, I'll be getting my hands on some merch and we'll be donating along with hopefully everybody who is listening to this podcast right now. Go there. That merch site would be on Team Schuster. That's like wall or printing or something. But yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. awesome. Heck yeah. So switching gears, you have a sibling on the team, Becca. Who is the favorite sibling in the family? I have to know. Is it you or Becca? That's the easiest question I've ever had to answer. It is Becca, bar none. <laughs> All my successes. Have but been. why? But why? <laughs> I mean, look at her. She's prettier than I am. She's nicer than me. She's just she's just an awesome person. Um, I'm just lucky to be her brother, to be honest. So. I, you know, it it always sucks to be second place, but 
even especially in your own house. <laughs> but Becca's a Becca's someone definitely worthy of uh, being the favorite sibling. So you know, as much as it pains me to say it, and <laughs> Becca wins. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. You know, I have a brother too, and he's the favorite, so I can kind of relate to you. Were you know when you two got into curling, was there one of you that was kind of drawn to it, and the other one followed? Were you both equally into it? Kind of how did that happen? So I got into it first. My dad tried to get me into it, and I watched him in a league game where his team got absolutely pumped by the opponents. And he's like, so what, Matt, what do you think? I'm like, Dad, curling is lame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, real talk. And then, I, and then about five months later, I had a buddy who was my age who was like, hey, Matt, you want to try curling? And being the angsty teenager who thinks whatever Dad's doing is lame – I was told my buddy, I was like, yeah, dude, that sounds super cool. Like, I would love to try curling. So I think after one of my tournaments that year, it was like my freshman year of high school, um, I was out practicing after the tournament with my coach, and he saw Becca was always intrigued by it. Like, she came down, but she she literally used to ask. I was like, hey, Becca, you want to throw stones? She's like, is there going to be any other people there? Like, yeah, probably. It's a curling club. She's like, well, then I don't really want to go practice. I'll come watch. So, first of all, it's awesome. Sorry. First of all, it's awesome she got over that fear of playing in front of people because right now she's on in front of millions. Um, But, yeah, our coach dragged her out, and she kind of took to it like a fish to water, and now she's just this stud curler from the U.S. that – I get to train with every day. So I'm just as fortunate as uh, anyone out there because I have this training partner that pushes me all the time, and it's awesome. I love that trajectory of your curling career, thinking that it was not great, and then (laughs) now being an Olympic champion in 2018 and going for a second gold here in Beijing. When and if you win that gold medal or any medal or just finish the competition here in Beijing – there's, I've heard that there's like a post curling drinking scene, like you share a beer, like, can you kind of give us an inside look about that? Because like, that's what I want to know about. I want to join you guys for that. Yeah. So typically during the seasons uh, of curling, like the winning team buys the losing team a beer after the game. Like if you got another game that day, we lay up, but if like, you know, it's the last game of the day and you don't have to play till like 2 p.m. the next day. It's like, yeah, I'll have a beer with you guys and we'll chat. Sometimes we talk shop. Sometimes, you know, we play against these guys all the time. We'll talk about our families and <clears throat> what's going on, make fun of each other's golf game. <clears throat> but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a good sport. Way more camaraderie with your opponents than you'd think. <clears throat> the, uh, two of the Swedish guys that I beat in the Olympic final – we're at my wedding the summer before. Like, that's how close-knit the curling community is. And some of the Norwegian guys that had the crazy pants came. So, like, curling curling is a family. And uh, it's cool to be a part of. Well, I want to be a part of this family one day. You've totally sold it to me. It just sounds like such a blast. Um, Matt, thank you so much for stopping by and giving us some real good inside scoop on your life, the curling scene, um, and best of luck during the rest of these games. Hopefully we'll see you on top of that podium once again. And your sister will always be number one, and that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, I've accepted it. (laughs) Yep, that's fair. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Every four years, the world's greatest athletes compete for gold, and that time is now. 
The Winter Olympics on NBC and Peacock. 17 days of action, excitement, glory, and history in the making. Don't miss a single epic moment. The Winter Olympics continue tonight on NBC and Peacock.